Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Well, as you may or may not know, I was out in Los Angeles about a month and a half ago now for the National Club Conference. It's the National Conference hosted by the National Club Association, and it's one of my favorite events that happens all year long. I'm there every year. This is now the third year in a row we did private club radio from the conference. And as always, we had a number of spectacular guests. And the reason we have those spectacular guests is because the speakers that you can hear at this conference are really second to none. I love what the NCA does. They reach outside the industry. They find folks in other industries with other expertises, and they bring them to this conference every year. This year, the conference was held in Los Angeles at the Millennium Biltmore Hotel, famous for being the first ever site of the Oscars, the first ever Academy Awards hosted there. And it's a gorgeous hotel. A lot of it still has its old classical decorations, and it's definitely a treat. It's right in downtown Los Angeles. Well, as always, the whole conference was first class. I had a little setup outside so I could capture the speakers when they were done with their sessions. And so I'm going to bring you some of those today and for the next couple weeks here on Private Club Radio. So first up, I chatted with Fred Laughlin, director at Global Golf Advisors. And I first asked Fred about the evolving trends that he's seeing in club governance. Here's what Fred had to say. We're seeing some progress, and and clubs actually were a ways behind most of the nonprofit world just because they were a different community. They, They considered themselves separate. But then they began to realize that they were big business. I mean, many of these clubs are in the top 1% and 2% of businesses in the United States. And wow. not to run the club as a business is not being fair to the members. So board, more and more boards are realizing their responsibility in that area. And good governance is all about just being good business people sure. for the most part. Yep. So some of the trends, obviously, we're seeing uh, boards getting a little bit smaller, uh, staying longer. What other trends are you seeing out there in terms of governance? Well, the primary issue is how they, how the boards will actually document how they're going about their job. They have the job of governing, and like most jobs, there's a way to go about it. And, and one particular aspect of that is transparency, is communicating with the members how they're go- how how the board is going to take the authority that the members give it through the bylaws, exercise that authority to provide the services and the amenities that good clubs provide in an efficient way. Right. So that's the primary area that I'm seeing that boards are being much more intentional about actually disclosing how they're going about their business. Yeah, fantastic. We're actually live streaming this right now. So have you actually seen any boards videotape their sessions or in other ways document it in unique ways that they're putting no. out there? <laughs> no, I haven't, haven't seen them videotape it yet. Yeah. That, that would be interesting. And yeah. in fact, there's accusation by the members in many cases, the board not being transparent, not right. communicating enough. One of the things that a board policy manual or a good documentation of the board's principles and practices will do is allay the fears that they're too secretive. 
that they're going about their business without communicating with the members, that they don't have a good basis for their decisions, those kinds of things. Right. So a good BPM board policy manual will uh, will address that. What has been, I believe, a primary concern by members that the board just is not transparent. Who should drive that process of creating the manual? Is that something that should come from management, or is that something that should come from the board directly? Both. I mean, the, the board policy manual will. Um, be very clear about the role of the general manager and the role of the board. Right. The board has the authority. Good boards will transfer that authority to the general manager, and you've got professional general managers now. They sure. know what they're doing. Right, yeah. And they ought to be allowed to, to, to exercise that expertise. Sure. But good boards will transfer that authority, but also expect the accountability. Right. So it's, it's a combination of the, of the general manager and the board to get together and say, Here's how we're going to govern. Here's how we're going to transfer that authority. Here's how we're going to get reports from the general manager that tell us that, that the job is getting done, the mission's getting accomplished. Right. So that's that's where I think... Should that been. should that manual also have sort of a set, a set of... How do you know what a win looks like or how do you know what a loss looks like? Is there some sort of a accountability built into a manual like that or, or some way to quantify what, what progress the club's making? It's, that's a good question. And, and I would say that it's... It, it, it comes with uh, both the style um, of the board, the clarity with which it has communicated the authority and the accountability, and the degree to which it's honored. Uh, many boards will put together a board policy manual and then just let it kind of drift. Sure. They'll put it on the shelf, right. and it won't be the dynamic document it needs to be. We, we see trends coming, and I, I know you, you deal with trends, and so you see these trends coming. Well, those trends have to be accommodated somewhere in that board policy manual, it has to change. Right. So if you see that board policy manual changing over time, it's not an indication that it was poorly written. It's an indication that that same dynamic feature is there. It's a healthy thing. So it should be a work in progress in Definitely. some ways. Yes, that, that's fantastic. Um, if you could wave a magic wand and, and, and every board in the, in, the, in the club industry would sort of adhere to a set of standards, what would some of those look like to you? Well, legally, a board has two, three duties. Duty of care, take care of the, the, the club the way you take care of your own house. Uh, has a duty of loyalty, is that you have loyalty first to the club and, and then, then to yourself. Right. Um, this gets rid of this guy or gal who comes in with an agenda. It's not their agenda. It needs to be the mission. Uh, and the third is duty of obedience, obey the law. So, first of all, if you truly honor that, and you, ex- you, you accept your role as a governor and you accept your role as having that authority, then there will be both qualitative and quantitative measures that you can use. Qualitative measures, which is the style of the board, res- mutual respect, the culture of the club, the brand. I mean, the, the board has to protect the brand. Yeah, I think that's and, so you important. Know, we have kind of ways, we know when there's a good brand. I mean, we just kind of, we don't have to be told that's sure. a good brand. Yeah, right. And so... I would say in many respects, it's not just quantitative. How long is your waiting list? You know, how many, what's your revenues and how, how good are the, uh, you know, the Pop-Tarts for breakfast or whatever you have. You <laughs> right, know, right, it, right. It, it, those are sort of quantitative or yeah. quantitative things, but also the qualitative, which is the respect of the brand, I yeah. think, is probably the most important yeah. uh, thing to protect. It's a big responsibility to sit on one of these boards, so we appreciate what you guys do at Global Golf Advisors and in, 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 in steering some of these in the right direction. 
And alongside of Fred at the conference was partner at Global Golf Advisors, Mr. Henry Delosier. Henry's been on Private Club Radio a couple of times in the past. And if you don't know Henry, he's a humble guy, but he's one of the most influential gentlemen in our industry. First thing I wanted to ask Henry about was where he gets his inspiration. A guy who's so inspiring, what inspires him? Here's Henry's answer to that question. I get inspiration from the club managers with whom we work and their boards. Um, sometimes the inspiration comes from their eagerness to learn, uh, their eagerness to grow. Sometimes it comes from mistakes I see them making and I, and I want to help them not make those mistakes. But I find in our work we're surrounded by people who are genuine in their curiosity, and that's very inspiring to me. That's awesome. Yeah, that would get you up every morning to tackle these new challenges. (laughs) Well, you know, unfortunately, it's like that cliche, you know, where people say, if you do what you love, you've never worked a day in your life, and and I'm probably the poster boy for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Probably some people listening to the show don't really know your background or how you got into all of this, Um, so can you share that with us today, Henry? Well, um, I guess the only way to summarize it is I'm a bona fide has-been. Um, <laughs> I grew up as a very successful amateur golfer, uh, played my college golf at Oklahoma State, um, and had the opportunity then, to, having played at a high level, to go on and play some golf professionally. Uh, while waiting, um, after deciding not to continue to play golf professionally, while waiting to go to law school, I ended up um, uh, going into a, a club just for a short term and found that it was really something that was um, interesting to me. I was good at it. I have a real knack for figuring out how to get businesses to make money. Mm -hmm. So um, that was a category that seemed to be open for me. I went from being golf professional to club manager, from being club manager to resort manager, from being resort manager to managing a portfolio of almost 30 clubs uh, for a large home building company. Last time we had you on the show, uh, we were talking about real estate trends and things happening. So now we're about a quarter of the way through 2018. What are some of those trends that you're seeing playing out right now? Um, The trends are that in certain segments, um, there are shortages of housing. Um, People who are able to qualify for a home mortgage are finding that when they go to buy a home that they want, there is a highly competitive process for that. It's almost like it was back in 2006 or seven. The good old days. Yes, and (laughs) and so as a result, a lot of the same markets have reemerged. Naples, Scottsdale, uh, San Francisco Bay Area, Seattle is booming, um, and, and we're seeing characteristics that are consistent with the housing market before the bubble. Uh, the, the dark side of that is uh, it's tough for a lot of working folks to qualify uh, for mortgages, and, sure. and so therefore there's not a lot of growth in housing at the, at the bottom of the profile. Yeah. Within the housing market, there's a certain amount of friction brought on by um, the expectation of growing uh, interest rates for home mortgages and uh, the difficulty that, that some segments have in qualifying for them. Yeah. Now, you just gave a, a session with your counterpart, Fred Laughlin, here at the NCA conference talking about board governance. And what are some of the issues that you're seeing in terms of board governance out there? Overwhelmingly, there is a sentiment among club members that their 
boards are not transparent enough yeah. and that the communication, the quality of communication from boards is inadequate to members' expectations. In some cases, um, both are a cheap shot because a lot of times people complain about transparency or communication when they themselves don't avail themselves of the information. Right. They don't show up to the meetings. They don't take a look at the notes. <laughs> they don't read the emails. Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is the responsibility of the board is to communicate. I enjoyed very much Fred's advice, which is that one of the principles of good governance is the board communicates as one in writing so that everything that the board is doing is there for those who are interested enough to read it. I can tell you from our work in private clubs that when boards are aggressively transparent, the level of distrust is diminished and the level of um, anxiety over issues of governance is diminished. So sometimes board members will say, you know, we're publishing all of this. It's on our members-only website. We're handing out hard copies to anyone who wishes one, and few people want to actually read it. And my response is always, the point is, you have nothing to hide. It's clear to them that you have nothing to hide. Therefore, their apprehensions are diminished. Right. Yeah. So I was I was mentioning to Fred that we were live streaming this right now, and so uh, I asked him the question. You know, have you seen any unique ways that boards are trying to get that information out and, and make that more available to the membership? Yes, I have, and I've seen some good and some bad. Okay. Um, but I, the most important thing is when boards are very assertive at trying to make as much membership information available as they possibly can. So if it's audio recorded, so if it's video recorded, Mm -hmm. so if there are texts uh, that are provided to members of of the proceedings, that becomes very transparent. You, You can dislike outcomes, but you cannot proclaim that there was a lack of transparency. And then the other thing that I have seen that has not worked so well is uh, I've seen boards trying to get it right who are making board meetings available via Skype or annual meetings available via Skype in clubs where there is not adequate bandwidth. Okay, sure. There's always Wi-Fi problems in these clubs. Yes, and as a result, I think I've tuned in for the annual meeting and the darn thing doesn't connect (laughs) halfway through. Or just as the treasurer got up to report on the financial condition of the club, we lost the connection. Oh, no. So... um, if you're going to do, if you're going to take some of those progressive steps, which I applaud, then you darn sure need to uh, get it right and see that everyone can get the information. Anytime there's technology involved, something will inevitably go wrong. <laughs> well, uh, maybe <laughs> maybe this morning, maybe they should myself. call. Maybe they should call you and have you broadcast for them. Um, but but more than more than anything, um, this issue around governance in private clubs always comes back to communication and transparency and once those matters have been addressed effectively uh, the level of trust in club governance uh, escalates significantly yeah well uh, i would be remiss if i didn't ask you to look into your crystal ball because you have such again a great insight into the industry where are things going for you henry what's on the horizon Uh, Private clubs are prospering as a general statement. Um, The categories of private clubs that are prospering most 
are the ones who have really done a great job of understanding their markets and the market circumstances that drive private club prosperity are a surging consumer confidence which is evident in many markets um, growing household income uh, declining employment or un, I'm sorry declining unemployment and then uh, the, the other category that we always watch for as a marker is the proportionality of educational attainment. Well-educated people have more secure jobs, have a tendency to make more money, and are good private club members. Uh, this is a good time for the private clubs that are doing their jobs well. And w- without without casting a pall over that, um, if, if you're at a private club that is not doing well, that's a very significant danger signal it is the canary in the coal mine Hmm. because if your club is not doing well now you have to reckon with the fact that tough times could be coming sure absolutely it's um there it seems like they're sifting out there's a sifting process happening right now certainly and there there are and will be haves and have nots and in most of these major markets uh which are oversupplied with private clubs that means that the clubs that are most fit for competition will prosper right how is global golf advisors helping clubs out there prosper um beyond any measure the the effectiveness that our firm is having is in helping folks to develop sound strategic plans for their club having reliable and transparent financial planning and then guiding them in governance so that their their method of governance sustains their strategy you know it was peter drucker the great management thinker who said that uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast right we are proud of the strategic plans and the strategies that we help our clients develop in a private club culture is governance how often should a strategic plan be uh, re-looked at or every three to five years and in a in a surging market like we're having right now at the top of the market, that means that certainly every three years you, a, a club should be refreshing its strategic plan. Right. Uh, frankly, the, the top performing clubs are achieving their goals and objectives more rapidly right. than they did five years ago. Yeah, well, it's a testament to the great economy we have going Correct. on right now. Henry, Correct. as always, love, love having you on the show, and thanks so much for joining us again on Private Club Radio. Thank you, Gabe. If you'd like to find out more about Global Golf Advisors, definitely recommend you check out their website, globalgolfadvisors.com. Always wonderful chatting with those gentlemen. Next up, I got to speak with CEO of Callaway, Mr. Chip Brewer. I was really excited to talk with Chip about a number of things, including how Callaway develops its products, the trajectory of the company, and of course, what's in Chip's bag. Well, next guest up is Chip Brewer, CEO of Callaway Golf. Chip, welcome to Private Club Radio. Thanks, Gabe. Yeah, it's nice great to be with you. Great to have you here. So you were talking in your session about innovation, and you're kind of in this industry where you need to innovate, but it's also is stifling in a way because, you know, USGA rules and whatnot. Mm. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's a, it's a bit of a chess match at times, Gabe, yeah. because, uh, you know, we're working with, uh, and I'm and I, mean this sincerely with the regulatory bodies i love the game of golf and what we do is good for the game and you know their job is to protect the game uh but at sometimes we're does come down to the fact we're trying to make it go further and be more forgiving and uh (laughs) so there's some uh balancing act that goes there and uh 
you know, we're fortunate we've got great resources and a very motivated team, and we've been able to uh, deliver yeah. products such as, you know, the Rogue Driver and new technologies in golf ball with uh, Chrome Soft and the graphene in it that, yep. uh, you know, help differentiate. And it, although it's a balancing act, uh, it's one that we enjoy. I picked up a Callaway driver, uh, the Epic, last yeah, year. And that actually, yeah. it, it, it took about five strokes off my game without, without exaggeration. It, it is, <laughs> you know, a new technology that yeah. we came up with that is 100% conforming with the rules of golf. We will not, under my leadership, do a product that is not conforming. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, but it does deliver more ball speed sure. and, and distance and, uh, you know, that's what makes it fun, right? What's your R&D pipeline like? Like how, how far out are you, are you looking to bring new products into the marketplace? We have multiple, so, you know, we're tangibly looking at products, you know, a year to 18 months out, but then we have advanced research groups that are working on concepts and technologies that could be much further out than that. Sure. So, but there are more, you know, ideas and parts of different technologies, etc. But it could be a new alloy, or it could do a new construction technique, or you know, using uh, graphene is a Nobel Prize-winning uh, nanomaterial that we've integrated into golf balls, and it could be, you know, exploring how to process that type of thing. And uh, in the fairy woods, the, uh, the the heat treatment process is you know more stringent than it is in turbines and aerospace. Sure. So it's researching how are we going to manufacture that? How do we control uh, you know the whole manufacturing process tight enough to bring you know products? So there's multiple things going on. I can you know I could tell you I won't but this stuff that's 12 to 18 months out are the pros getting that stuff now no no, no we have to keep it quiet from okay. them too yeah, usually wow. yeah but we'll be testing stuff with them yeah but well it'll be you know it'll be disguised often in uh, even then so that yeah. it doesn't uh, doesn't get out because there's a proprietary nature to it and then you know we will want to patent it and sure. protect it and you know that epic driver you talked about uh we have over 40 patents on that uh so it's all part of a pretty involved process sure. to make sure that we when we launch it we can uh, enjoy the fruits of the labor what is the pressure like to constantly innovate in, in this industry where every year you got to come out with something new i like it so you know it, but it's in every job you always you know have to do better than you did the year before right sure. that's <laughs> what it, right. it's what the world's what have you done all for me about lately? right you know <laughs> gabe you know radio you guys get ratings you get you know you do a great year you blow it out sure. you know what do they want next year <laughs> just a little better yep. right? right and so you know that's what we set ourselves up for um yeah. and uh, you know, on the equipment side, we're motivated and excited. So what it leads me to do is continue to reinvest. So sure. we're putting more people and more resources into advanced research. And, you know, we hope that gets a virtuous cycle going because it gets, then I hear more good ideas and new technologies and you start to feel good about it. Got a interesting question for you. What's actually in your bag? <laughs> I've got a, uh, obviously bag full of Callaway. I've got, uh, uh, most of it uh, on the market, but a, a couple prototypes yeah, that yeah. may not be out okay. for. So I'm part of the <laughs> testing committee and uh -huh. uh, have uh, too much access and a wandering <laughs> mind. So, you know, the Rogue Driver, the X Forge irons, Rogue irons, but I do have a 
prototype wedge that won't be launched till next year that's early uh, so a Mac milled Daddy part, five or something. Uh, something like that <laughs> and uh, a putter that won't be out till mid-year and okay. uh, so I do get to perks. <laughs> goof around with some stuff uh, a little preseason. Are you how how involved are you? I mean obviously as a you know testing the equipment you're you're giving your feedback but how are how involved are you in that process? I'm very involved on the product uh, concept and uh, side of it and you know, agreeing on what goes to the market, etc. But I'm not an engineer. I don't have I'm not smart enough sure. to really tell yeah, right. them the what to do or there. And I wouldn't try. <laughs> I like how you said you, yeah. you hire people that are that yeah, can do they're <laughs> smarter than me ten times. Right. But I'm setting culture sure. and standards, and because I care and because I have experience, you know, I, I do get directly involved sometimes in you know evaluations of when the when the recipe's done or when it goes back sure. in the uh, in the lab for a little bit. Last question for you. Looking into your crystal ball, where is golf going? Golf's in a great spot right now, Gabe. Uh, you know, it, it's gone through, it's been around for a long time. Of course, in that time, it goes through ups and downs. And, you know, uh, in the late 2000s, it went through a tough time and it was much maligned and there was all the press about the difficulties of golf and decline and all of that. But, uh you know, whether you look at the tour and you've got, you know, the, the youth and energy and Tiger coming back. And, oh, that's huge. Uh, interest there is high, and it's high for, you know, old farts like myself, <laughs> and it's high for young kids and sure. everybody in between, and that's great. And you've got uh, new uh, forms of golf like top golf and different forms of screen golf coming in, and mm-hmm. uh, juniors are playing at a higher level than they ever have. Uh, there's a lot of positive things going on in the game right now and in the industry. Uh, I'm encouraged. Good time to be in it. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Gabe. Really Appreciate nice it. Yep. Gotta say, I agree 100% with Mr. Brewer on those remarks. I'm really bullish on the game of golf myself. I think it's on a fantastic trajectory, and I really see it growing in the next five years quite a bit. Well, we're going to finish this episode off with Mike Nagel, who's the regional sales manager for Fortis, learn a little bit about their technology and some improvements coming to the platform. Here's my interview with Mike. So, Mike, you got some new products coming out on the market. Let's take a look first at your your back-end, back-office solution, the Fortis business. Yeah, Fortis business is a product we're really excited about at Fortis. You know, since the start, we've focused on member-facing reservation systems in the golf world. Uh, private club world that's always been our level of focus and a lot of those clubs have asked for years for us to introduce a product to the back of the house so uh, we chose to actually develop on the salesforce exchange so much like uh, your smartphone offers an app exchange salesforce offers an exchange for developers to go on and kind of customize the classic salesforce product uh, in the way that suits your business so obviously we chose to do that thought it was a good long-term plan very very high level of security with salesforce and a, a technology that's been proven to be used by a lot of people, which in the software world is something that we sometimes forget about. You yeah, gotta, right. <laughs> you got to actually use it, right? So um, we're excited about that. We've customized it uh, so much and built it specifically for private clubs. So. Yeah. Now, what I like about your software, having poked around a couple of times, is that it's very seems to be intuitive. Is, is yeah. that how you describe it? Yeah, that's our goal with really anything. I mean, you know, I think the today the average smartphone owner has ninety some apps on their phone. <laughs> and, 
Uh, I think the average person actively uses around 30 of those. So, wow. you know, our, our goal really is just to first uh, convince them to, to use it. And mm-hmm. then if it's not a good experience from the onset, you know, it's, it's a good chance you may never get that person back. So, you know, software can sound so good, but if no one uses it, if it's not simple, yeah. uh, we're going to spend all of our time training clubs. It's just not going to work. You know, mm. it's got to be something they can pick up, they yep. can use. We've got some good um, precedent set at, at Fortis. We use Salesforce internally. So it's a system that we've really committed to for customer support and our development schedules. Uh, and we've never really provided any full scale training to our employees. Um, I think that's kind of a testament to how simple the Salesforce platform is to use. So we're hoping we can have that same dynamic when we roll it out to clubs. Yeah, I know I have like probably five or six pages of apps, but I don't get past... Right. I'm pretty much stuck with the first page. It's about a, right. that's about it. Sometimes I get to the second page. Yeah, very same. very rarely. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's how it works. But you've got actually some new features for your app too. Can you talk a little we bit about do. those? Yeah, the the app is is growing. It just keeps going. Uh, we're very fortunate to have the highest number of clubs using our Fortis app in the in the industry. Um, we've worked hard to do that. We were um, on the App Exchange very early in in our uh, technology cycle too, so we've got a lot of experience working with Apple and and uh, the other providers, mm-hmm. uh, Google Play and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of new features. Just kind of we we've got a, a new dining system, so there'll be some new features for the member in there that can be customized. However, the club kind of builds it out. So for like their reservations app. or what sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah. So right now we we have dining reservations, but we've got some new features that are going to allow the club to give the member even more. Uh, abilities to make that reservation so you know if it's if it's um you know just more specific seating requests or okay so if i want to sit by the window or yeah i mean now it's it's, you just type it in say hey i'd like to sit by the fireplace you know but we're going to have some some newer features that the club can kind of build out better suit their club we've got some new stuff coming for uh the golf uh, part of the app as well. We're excited to have kind of a new feature as it relates to caddies. Um, okay. Not too much on that, that that we can share now, but something that we're working on. You're not going to give us the exclusive just, here on uh, Club Radio? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> to, just, um, to just really benefit both the staff and, and the members. And okay. long-term, too, hopefully, kind of the, the financials of the club. So yeah. just constantly trying to add more features as uh, apps have proven that if they become stagnant, uh, people stop using them. So we're trying to just continuously add, you know, new things onto the app and, yeah. and make it a better experience. We've got uh, a valet check-in that, that uh, the staff can use at clubs, so a member could request that their car be pulled up. We've got some check-in abilities, which would be kind of a staff feature of the app where they'd be able to monitor uh, maybe guests and members that show up at the pool and maybe they, they rent out a towel or a yoga mat for fitness classes. They can now track all of that information mm-hmm. for kind of the amenities that don't have reservations. Yeah. And then uh, the feature I'm most excited about that's, that's live now at a number of clubs is uh, food ordering. Mm. And uh, we've actually spent a lot of time researching a lot of the big apps, you know, Uber Eats and Grubhub. And mm-hmm. we built out on the 4Ts platform a way for clubs to be able to allow members to place uh, to-go orders, to pick up food after the front nine, mm-hmm. even uh, gated communities that offer food delivery service. Nice. Uh, they can use that as well. So that's, that's been cool. a good a good uh, adder for the for the app. Where are you come up, coming up with the ideas or the, you know, the stuff that you're actively developing? Is that coming from feedback from members, from staff? Yeah. We're super fortunate. We get a ton of feedback because I think most clubs get feedback from members. Fortis gets feedback from members <laughs> and clubs. Usually only the bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we have a, a, just a great network of you know customers that are always coming up with things that they see or ideas. Yeah. And then internally, we've got a 
a pretty demanding kind of development plan. We um, actively are downloading all sorts of other types of software okay. systems, uh, actively researching what's happening in the public market. It's a good it's a good way to kind of learn how the traditional consumer is is uh, living their life, and then how that could potentially relate to the private club world. So. Yep. Wow. That's kind of where it, where it really comes from. So, yeah, yeah, that's neat. That's yeah. very cool. So you, you you travel around quite a bit, and I know you're, a, what, a five handicap or so. <laughs> so uh, what are some of the, the courses that you're excited to be playing or you played recently? You know, I, sh- I should say, uh, talk about the private clubs, but I, I got the chance to play Bandon Dunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to the PGA Professional Year Conference earlier this year, and that was just that yeah. was a treat, you know, for, <laughs> for a, a golf purist or just anybody that loves, you know, to, to walk carry your own bag or you know have a caddy yeah. it's it's right. such a wonderful experience that's on um, my bucket list for sure <laughs> yeah if you, can, if you can go i i would definitely recommend it um other courses i i got to play actually um old town club uh, a month ago in north carolina just one of those hidden hidden gems beautiful beautiful track classic yeah. course just got redone i think by country's team mm-hmm. uh privileged to play there and yeah any, anywhere you know yeah. it doesn't it doesn't have to be anything special for me <laughs> it's just if it's a nice day i'll I'm happy to play anywhere. I think that's what sets you guys apart, though, as a technology company in the industry. That I can, there's just a passion for golf. That, yeah, and that's why sure. I asked you that question. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we have, you know, we have. I'm trying. I lose the number, but we've got at least a half a dozen uh, PGA professionals on staff at yeah. Fortis. Uh, we started in the golf world, you know, so it, it is definitely our passion. It's it's kind of what what has driven us to where we are today. And mm-hmm. you know, if, if if you're passionate about it, I think it helps with what we come up with yeah so, yeah well last question for you mike the what would you say that your differentiator is you know between you know there's lots of software solutions yeah. out there what makes you guys the right choice for a club yeah, that's a great question yeah i mean everyone always leads with you know we have the best customer support or we have this or we have that i you know i think with with Fortis, we are very upfront as to who we are uh where we're going um we're not going to fit every club and i think we just kind of accept that um you know, our goal is to provide clubs with the highest end technology. And what's unique, I think, about Fortis is we've actually partnered with a number of other platforms. Uh, just accepting that there are other companies that do things really, really well right. in our world. Yeah. And if our goal really is to give clubs, you know, that best uh, software experience, uh, we need to find a way to add our expertise Mm -hmm. and uh, share it with that platform so that's what we've done with our back office product built on salesforce uh, our website products you know and a few other things that we have we've really taken our expertise and and added it to you know some successful platforms so i yeah i I think that's kind of kind of where we are and you know just the acceptance too where a company is very willing to accept that um there's a lot of good stuff out there you know you you have to you have to respect that and um that's a mistake i think a lot of people make it in in any businesses they start to add all these products and services that maybe they're not the best at yeah the best best fitted for yeah. and they try to be all things to everybody yeah. and i think it's a lot better to do one or two things really yeah. perfectly and yeah. then you know and 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 accept that there's other <laughs> solutions out there yeah i mean focus is a huge thing i think in, in any business or relationship whatever it may be if you, yeah. can, if you can provide focus to what you're working on you're probably going to accomplish it better and faster for fortis i mean that's We've, we've always been in the private club world. We've had thoughts of, you know, I mean, what else is out there maybe. But for us, I mean, we started with golf, and we stuck with golf in the app for a long time. Some clubs probably, they wanted more from us earlier. Sure. But, you know, we've always committed to just, just exhausting that, that reservation system or whatever it is and then put the back office product, too. We would have loved to have it out three or four years ago. But, sure. you know, we, we picked this plan. We stuck with it. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure we do it right. And 
that's the way we're going to go. So Neat. we'll, we'll look, see how it turns out. I look forward to getting the demo from you and checking it out a little bit further. <laughs> thanks, Mike, for joining me today. Yeah, man. thanks for having me. So if you're interested in learning more about 4Ts, I would invite you to check out their website, which is 4Ts.com, F-O-R-E-T's.com. Really fun chatting with Mike. Such a wonderful conference. You've got to be there. If you are not a part of the National Club Association, check out what they're doing. They are really the advocates for this industry in Washington, D.C. They're going to bat for issues affecting private clubs. You should be a part of this organization if you're in the industry. If you're not and you want to learn more, check out nationalclub.org. We'll be back next week with more interviews from the conference. Until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Concert Golf has the capital, expertise and private club hospitality experience to help upscale private clubs achieving long-term success and membership growth. For 25 years, Concert Golf has allowed private club members to focus on simply enjoying their club. Visit ConcertGolfPartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process.